Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And that's all you're getting this week because the day of recording is the day of the release of Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. So everyone is like watching Spider-Man right now, including uh, Brian. Um, so and soon uh, to be me. Yeah, I think, Carrie, aren't you leaving like literally the moment we stop recording? Pretty much. Gotta see Alfred Molina reprising his role as... Uh, as, as hashtag Dukak, as was promoted oh by the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> uh, people took a little bit of advantage of Doc Ock's hashtag and uh, capitalized some letters and capitalize others. So that oh was that God. was the best. That was the best reveal. And I think like trailer day was hashtag uh, that. So I'm I'm going to see it eventually. Um, probably this weekend. We'll find out. Uh, but we are recording on Thursday, December the 16th, which if you are listening on Monday, uh, today was the day that they did like a Kamigawa Neon Dynasty little like sneak peek on Weekly MTG. And boy, howdy, was it uh, a lot <laughs> um, for a sneak peek. They previewed a few cards, including uh, the newest Planeswalker, Kaito Shizuki, um, who is a ninja, which is really cool. Uh, they also previewed a new Hidegetsu card with like a bunch of variations on special foil treatments that you can only get like in collector. It's really neat. Um, it's it's a lot. Uh, and they previewed uh, one of the dragons. So they're going back and doing the the five legendary dragon spirits. Uh, they are new. They have new names, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's neat stuff. And they also like. Gave us a little bit about lore background too. Um, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is going to like focus on the duality between modernity and tradition. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff they couldn't tell us about what that means. But they said like half the set is modern, half the set is traditional, um, or at least focusing on the modern and traditional aspects of Kamigawa. Uh, it is all cyberpunk though, and then like one of the biggest things is they were. They like released one of the first pieces of web fiction today for the set that's technically releasing in February. So you can go to the Daily MTG website today and read the story of Kaito and how he got his spark and became a planeswalker. I have not read it yet because <laughs> y'all know my rules about story, but I've sort of looked at some of it. Um, it's cool. Kaido like gets his spark from a like a, a tanuki or something. Um, it's a kami, uh, kami of the spark. So, anyways, go read the story. Um, it's it's real interesting. It does reference the Umazawa clan, so they are somewhat still present on Kamigawa. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that we will be able to talk about in January uh, because also in January they're doing story really weird. Um, so. On January 11th, they're doing a creator, creative roundtable about Kamigawa uh, on, I'm presuming, Weekly MTG or their Twitch stream or something. Um, and then from the 11th to the 21st, they're going to be releasing short histories of Kamigawa that are going to explain what happened in the 1,200-year gap between the original block and the current day of Kamigawa. Uh, and then all of the Kamigawa fiction is coming out on the 24th, 25th, and 26th of January. I don't know what we're going to do. 
Um, we are getting all of the fiction for the block in or the set in three days. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know if we're getting three stories or if we're getting five that they're going to publish over three days. If we're getting six, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it other than we've got all of the story coming out in three days. Uh, we record on the 27th, so maybe we, we read all of them and then talk about them on the 27th. We'll see. Uh, but also on the 27th is the debut of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I'm assuming that is when previews start. Uh, but part of what they said was they are releasing all of the fiction before that date so that they can reveal some things about the story that is going to show up in the cards. That's a huge reveal, and they don't want it getting out before the story. Don't know what that means, but this set's going to be wild. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm a little scared, but also pretty excited. Yeah, we'll see how exactly we handle that and what form it takes. Um, yeah, I'll be excited for it. My, my concern about the modernity versus tradition themes in the set, like... So they're doing like the hollow foil stamp at the bottom, but there's like a different stamp for the ones that aren't modern. So they're not going to be legal. <sighs> and then all the traditional ones, assuming like you just don't get to play them at all. It's innovative is what I'll say. I don't know if I want to dignify that with a response. Um, <laughs> I couldn't think of a funny symbol for the <laughs> stamp to be. So I just, it's a new stamp, believe me. Um, they aren't, they're not doing that, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they're not going to use the acorn stamp on these cards. Um, I don't know if we talked about the acorn stamp on the podcast. I think we did a little bit. There was a huge hubbub about it and everyone was just like going wild about the unset that's coming out. And then I'm like, you're going to forget in about a week. And guess what? They did. Um, so uh, speaking of things that you will probably forget in about a week, uh, we are going to talk about the ending of uh, Val's story. That's not true. You won't forget it. The the Val, Crimson Val story is incredible, um, but we are going to be rushing headfirst into Kamigawa's story pretty soon. So uh, this is this is the last chance we really have to talk about the story of Innistrad Crimson Val. Uh, we only have one episode to talk about, which we'll be covering today, and then we're going to give a look back at what Innistrad was like this time around. So um, yeah, let's, let's jump into that. That's the meat of this episode is the final story of Innistrad Crimson Val uh, till death do us part by K. Arsenova Vera. So uh, to get us started, just to, to remind you all where we left off at the last main story, uh, we had the, sort of dual fights going on. We had Arlen chasing Olivia Voldaren, and we had Soren fighting his grandpa, uh, which is surprisingly a difficult task. Um, beating up old people is not that hard. I don't know why Soren is struggling so much. Soren um, did get dunked, literally. He literally so. got dunked by an old man. Um, so yeah, the, the final stories ended with Soren falling into a vat of blood and Arlen sort of falling... Uh, while trying to chase Olivia. Olivia's gotten away. Edgar's presumably gotten away. Uh, this story starts out with what's going on in the ballroom. So we have Adeline 
and Chandra who are fighting. Adeline is like having an existential crisis at the beginning of this episode um, because she is dealing with the fact that like Cathars are, you know, supposed to be the centers of justice and calm. And she's kind of like freaking out um, because there's vampires everywhere. And it's just an absolute maelstrom. Uh, And then Chandra just steps in and blasts them away with fire and is pretty gay. Um, She walks up and like gives Adeline a hug and it's very romantic and kind of cute. But like, I don't say this lightly, but a lot of the Cathars on Innistrad do need the smoke. Like (laughs) just a little because they're all very, very concerned with their role on this world. And it's like, do you know how many of you there are? And do you know how many of you just kind of like die expendably? <laughs> like, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be like better than this shit over there for 10 seconds. <sighs> it's gotta be like the most like soul crushing job in the in all of an astrology oh, yeah. to be a Cathar. Like you Probably just Probably in like it. a good chunk of the multiverse. It's just like <laughs> you are you are fighting against inevitability of like something bad happening to you or something bad happening to anybody you know yeah i just it's like they give you a sword and some armor and then they go all right now go fight the literal manifestation of your nightmares um good luck but uh yeah she's she's not having a great time chandra though seems to be having a great time because uh vampires are very flammable and chandra just revels in the chaos of it all um there's also like there are vampires fighting each other in this ballroom right now as well um they're sort of taking advantage of the chaos to settle old debts uh it's a little erotic actually which is kind of uncomfortable kind of fun um there's also uh, a demon is here apparently don't know when the demon got there but there's a demon uh there's child child vampires who are just snacking on heads that are being tossed around and that one card of the pig farmer who like has a giant pig is canon confirmed canon in this story there is someone there fighting with their pig i was i was curious about the demon for like a second while reading i was like oh that's weird i guess he just like came in with everybody else and then he starts fighting the village people so probably on the vampire side and i'm like oh I don't know. That's kind of a bummer. I was hoping, I was hoping it was just a chaotic demon that just wanted to get in on the fight. I mean, but. one of our live listeners pointed out that Henrika Domroth Dom, Domnathi is there as well. So, like, oh okay, yeah. There's a it's her know, boy toy. Yeah, <laughs> it's whoever she's dating right now. Um, whoever is you know the the uh, rebound after Gristlebrand. Um, but anyways, uh, so like the pig farmer being canon, though, I think is really neat that like Adeline remarks about the fact that there is someone there riding a pig. Uh, but then uh, suddenly in all of this like chaos of fighting, uh, Tovalar shows up. He's he's there to help. He showed up with some wolves and they start tearing apart vampires. Um, not what you'd expect after the Harvest Tide massacre. Uh, but he's there and he's there to help. And they just point him in the direction of where Arlen went because they know that that's why he's there. Um, he races off. And then, uh, meanwhile, uh, back in the vat of blood, um, Soren is being very moody. Like this is some peak 
1999 to 2008 live journal stuff going on right now um <laughs> soren is like suspended in a vat of blood and he thinks of all the wounds soren bore edgar had inflicted the first and still soren had loved him for thousands of years uh, and then it's like really emotional because he's like thinking about like this relationship he's had with his grandfather for you know seven thousand years or whatever uh and he decides that like he's kind of done like he just sort of snaps while he's there in the blood and he decides like he doesn't need to keep having this relationship with his grandfather so he climbs out of the blood um line is soren begins to climb which negates the like ending of the previous story where soren was falling um so i really liked that like cross story synergy uh k arsenal rivera did a great job on that love it um all the languages of course beautiful uh but uh, Soren gets out of the blood and he is absolutely livid. He's mad as he can be. He uh, starts walking towards the ballroom and like, imagine he's dripping in blood at this point. Um, someone shoots an arrow at him and he catches it in the air and stabs it into the neck of a guard. Like he is unhinged. I am loving this for him. Um, <laughs> he, he makes it to the ballroom uh, and he finds that Edgar is already there. And Edgar is currently like fighting all of the gate watch at the same time, uh, which is not working out for him because he's an old man and they are gaining an upper hand. Uh, and when Soren walks in the room, I feel like they all see him walk in and they just kind of like step aside. Like this is your fight. Have at it, buddy. Um, and, and Soren and Edgar just start going at each other. Uh, but this time Soren is not holding back. He's not trying to reason with his grandfather. He has decided that his grandfather made a choice and he's going to live with it. So Soren is just going to kill him. Um, there's a really funny line. <laughs> uh, Edgar might be powerful, but the blade has long since been Soren's favorite area of study. While, while all of you vampires were out there, you know, having fun and drinking blood, Soren studied the blade. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he he sure did. That's what I assume you spend thousands of years doing when you're not really uh, being helpful elsewhere. <laughs> or choosing to help the, the people on your own plane any more than you've already done. So uh, Soren has been, has been studying the blade, as we said. Uh, and he... Soren, like, kind of just overwhelms Edgar and Edgar is knocked back and it is very clear that he is old and, and unable to really fight and hold his own against someone like Soren. Um, there's this like really touching moment. So like Soren spares Edgar's life, which he, he shouldn't have. Soren should have just killed his grandpa. Like, let's be real. If you're not ready to kill your grandpa, you don't pull a sword out on him. Um, but uh, he spares his life. Edgar flies away or like runs off. Uh, and there's this like really great moment where Soren sort of looks over at the gate watch and he realizes that uh, they're not so different. Um, <laughs> well, like he specifically has this moment with Teferi and he realizes that like Teferi is also old and he's also lost a lot of things and he's also been through terrible, terrible experiences. So when Teferi says, you know, I know that was really hard for you. Soren can believe him. Soren under Soren knows that Teferi knows what this experience is like. Um, 
And then he also feels some connection with the rest of the Gatewatch because they've all had that. They've all lost things. They've all given up things and sacrificed. Um, so, like, we kind of get Soren in a different... His character has changed now. He went from being uh, absolute, you know, F-boy Soren who was only interested in his own plane to having some interest in saving Innistrad but being really mopey about it to now having grown up and realized he has a responsibility to not just uh, himself but also, you know, all of Innistrad. Um, really good moment. Uh, go read the story. I'll tap the sign that says go read the story. Uh, meanwhile, though, we do get back to Arlen and Arlen is like fading out a little bit. And then her pack shows up like her original, the wolves from like the very first midnight hunt story show up and Arlen is overjoyed. And then there's Tovalar and she's like, what? Um, but she knows why he's there. Uh, he tells her that she called for aid. So he came. Um, it's a very touching moment. There's this weird tension between Tovalar and Arlen that starts here and continues through the rest of the story. Um, but they all take off running after Olivia because Arlen knows that's what they're there to do. They have to stop Olivia. They have to get back the moon silver key. Uh, they race through the house. They um, <laughs> run through some halls and they, uh, as if they have rounded a corner in the home goods aisle at Target, they stumble on Olivia and Edgar having an argument. Uh, just like every other time you've been in Target and walked in on a couple having a fight in like the shampoo aisle. It's it, what, I don't know what it is about targets. Um, <laughs> they, they're having this argument. Uh, Olivia sees them and she just sort of like surrenders the key. She drops the key and says, good, if you want it so bad, have it. And then she flies out the window and Edgar flies out the window uh, to, I'm sure, continue their argument in the parking lot because the security at Target have told them to leave. Um, and well, Edgar is, to be fair, Edgar's arguing like uh old bitch who lost and saying like, hey, like we should really give up. And she's like teetering on the edge of like, do I actually commit to this bit or do I just give him the key? And then she gives up the key. It, it's Edgar being an absurd loser that really, really solidifies the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, but the like funny moment for me is that like Tovalar is just ready to kill them. Like he really wants to kill them. He chases, he like kind of chases Edgar a little bit while he's flying out the window and like snags some of his, uh, some of his like robe or whatever <laughs> and tears it off. Um, so, Arlen holds them back, though, and she's like, we're not going to kill them. There's more time for that. They get the key. Uh, Arlen brings the key back to the group. They all start making their way to Kessig um, and the Celestis. And uh, Soren has stayed behind, and he's actually using Markov Manor as like a hospital for long-term care for some of the like more wounded people from the fight, which I think is really neat. Um he has a basically accepted that like he has to help people or he should help people on Innistrad and not just like himself <laughs> and like create this you know, avatar of justice or whatever. He's like actively helping people. Yeah. Plus he has like extensive medical library. So along with all of his other libraries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting little bit of Soren development. Um, but while they're on the road, like 
Teferi has been speeding them up a little bit. Like they've all been trying to go as fast as they can. Um, they're all pretty exhausted. And the only people awake at this point are uh, Arlen and uh, Adeline, the Cathar. And then um, for some reason, Catilda uh, is awake. Like who would, who's expecting Catilda to be awake? Uh, Cause she's still a ghost. Um, <laughs> so she doesn't have to sleep. Uh, but Catilda starts asking some pretty pointed questions of Arlen and like what it means to like what what everything means now, I guess, in a way. Um, one of the things that Catilda asks Arlen is like, did you expect them to do this? And Arlen's like, the Gatewatch? Yeah, of course. You know, of course they would come and help. And she's like, no, not them. And she's like, oh, Soren? Yeah, I mean, like, Soren, I think, loves an Estrad, even if he doesn't really understand that. And she's like, no, not him. And then Arlen's like, oh, you mean, like, Tovalar. Um, and there's this, like, sort of moment where they, like, have a little thought about, like, what does it mean for someone who has, you know, committed the sort of atrocities that Tovalar has? And, like, can you excuse any of that, considering the world that Tovalar has grown up in and the way that he sees that world. Um, can Arlen excuse any of that? It's, it's really interesting sort of rumination on like what it means for, for crime and for redemption. Um, does Tovalar deserve any redemption for coming to help at the manor uh, when he, you know, slaughtered everyone at harvest tide? Like, does that make things any better or different? What is the way forward? Uh, and Catilda basically tells Arlen, like, you can't forget what he's done. Like we can never forget the crimes that he's committed. Uh, if there is a way forward for him, like he has to answer for those crimes. Is Tovalar a criminal? The greatest threat in Innistrad history locked after 430 pages. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Could you imagine like the something awful forums on Innistrad? <laughs> <laughs> something actually awful. <laughs> Grower House just starts eating people. <laughs> what if the devouring house was Dreffen Mauer? What if that house was Grover House? Dreffen Mauer grew up in Grover House. Dreffen Mauer doesn't understand the basics of framing lumber. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, no, it's jokes. just... Yeah, yeah I, I like Catilda giving a true soul-to-soul with Arlen. Uh, well, soul-to-werewolf. Yeah, you you know. Um but like as a final closure to Tovalar, since we don't get to see him again, spoiler. Um and like gauging emotions from her at pretty much the finale point of the story. We don't really know if we'll ever see Tovalar again. If people want another werewolf legendary matters, um then we can probably another Tovalar card, but like most of the villains from the sets are not generally returning, especially plain bound villains. So I don't know. I like this as the finale and it's something for Arlen to reckon with privately, how exactly she would go about that. I doubt we'll ever get to see it on screen, but at the same time, just a good way to tie up her story. Yeah, I mean, we know that Arlen is staying on an Estrad. She has no plans to go anywhere right now, so we might. I mean, like, oh, we Chris, could, you haven't read you know? Boom Number Nine, have you? I, you, no, I I'm, mean, just like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, 
apparently um i have avoided spoilers for the story because i'm i don't know i just do that so like i literally have not today's my first day reading the story i've avoided anything that talked about it but uh i do know that kr snow rivera was on an episode of casual magic uh with shivam bat um that is available for you to find yes. uh, if you want to go to read it um or listen to it and she talks about the story so she's probably shared some thoughts about this yes um, and soren and edgar and lots of Dragonlance nerding between the two of them so oh, yes, I need to definitely to definitely tonight. recommend listening <laughs> I love Dragonlance nerding, so I I have, I, to I have no I, or I'm not Dragonlance uh, Wheel of Time. Apologies. Oh yes, oh, I read yes. the like first most of the first book of Wheel of Time and thought it was pretty boring, so I never finished it. I just associate <laughs> um, Shivam so strongly with Dragonlance. <laughs> so. <laughs> appropriate, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's lots of Wheel of Time stuff. I have no idea what any of it is. I was only really. Uh, able to catch on to the magic stuff but yes well go give that a listen i'll be listening to it probably tonight so i'll have uh i'll have some thoughts on that um but really exciting stuff love love when authors get to talk about their work and the choices they made um anyways uh back to the story there's like that moment on the the road and then they get to the celestis and everyone's awake and excited uh katilda has become whole again she's a person in a body somehow um don't worry about it there's <laughs> not really it's literally yeah proof. there wasn't really acknowledgement of it and i like reread it just to be sure that there wasn't like a oh and then she like gets to re-enter her body again no she's just person again well i mean like i think the implication is that she re-enters her body but it's also been a really long time since that happened like it's been a while in in Innistrad time I don't know how long it's been in like Ixalana Dominaria time. It's been a while <laughs> in Estrad time. So like her body's just been hanging out, I guess. Um, anyways, she's a person again. Uh, they activate the Celestis. They put the keys together. Uh, and then the Celestis starts to move and creating light. And then a pillar of light shoots up to the moon. And the moon starts going down and night comes to an end day starts coming back to Innistrad you know the dawn is approaching um everyone's partying uh like drinks are being had there's a lot of celebration which I think is appropriate after all of the you know terrible things that have happened um Arlen goes to look for the planeswalkers because she knows that like her she she's gonna stay on Innistrad Arlen has no intention of like making a long trip or going on adventures she's gonna stay on Innistrad until uh something happens to ravnica and the boom comic universe um and uh she's staying on her on, on an estrade so she goes out to go find the other planeswalkers and say goodbye to them because like they're obviously going to want to leave because problem has been solved and they have their own homes uh and she goes to find chandra and chandra and adeline are uh making out um they are uh it's not described as making out but the description is that they are embracing each other under a willow tree uh and having a quiet conversation that arlen can't quite make out so they're they're making out um she says goodbye to kaya kaya sort of says you know you're probably gonna need me again because there's a bunch of ghosts here and arlen's like yeah i mean probably uh really (laughs) (laughs) really funny moment where like kaya's like remember i don't work for free and arlen's like sure you don't and then they laugh and leave because 
no one has ever paid Kaya for anything she's ever done. She just kind of keeps going on these like missions she's hired for and then never gets paid. Um, then uh, Teferi is like having a conversation with Katilda and Katilda just gives Teferi the moon silver uh, key. And Arlen's like, uh, what you doing? And Teferi explains that, hey, he's going to borrow it for a while. It has some uh, time magic properties that he wants to investigate. Which I thought was interesting because it is silver in the same way that, you know, Karn was silver. And that's what made him able to time travel. So maybe that's going to be a thing. Maybe we'll get another time travel story. I don't know. We are going to uh, the Brothers War next year. So... Oh Maybe no! This is... <laughs> don't don't imply time travels involved there. Yeah, like my understanding is this is definitely mm-hmm. Zelfier things, right? Oh uh, yeah, I mean like the, the implication pretty, is it's yeah, involved. and it's like mentioned mm-hmm. as the place that he lost or was responsible for losing. So. I don't know if time magic is the best yeah. way to get it back. I feel like maybe you should stick to the phasing in and out magic, but like well, that's the idea of phasing is that it phases you out of sync with time. So it could be that he wants to use it as some way to potentially yeah. fix that that offbeat that Zelfir is on and bring them back into time. Fair. Um, especially just... in you know, connection with the Tangle story that we had at the beginning of Midnight Hunt. But the the big thing in this conversation is that uh, Teferi mentions the Phyrexians. Like, he he calls them out and says, hey, we are kind of scared about this. Some old enemies from the past are showing up, and um, if you see any weird oil, people who are melding with machines, maybe, uh, give me a call. <laughs> it's uh, kind of a specialty of Teferi to deal with Phyrexians. So, uh, that's our, like, sort of hook for I think the future of magic story, we're getting another reference to Phyrexians. We got one in a pretty significant one for Kaldheim. Didn't really get anything for Strixhaven or uh, what was the other set we had? What was the other set? (laughs) You think I remember? No, they all just blow over my head. Uh, Was it Adventures? Was that the one that came between these two? Oh, I don't remember. Um, we Anyways. had Theros, we had Kaldheim, Theros with Ashiok, um, mm-hmm. non-story, but story summary, and then Kaldheim with Borinclex. I'm assuming Kaya and Tefiri talked on screen, or off screen, on Innistrad about Vornklex existing, because yeah. this seems to be a very, very, like, timely reminder for it, but, yeah, who can be sure? They're both part of the Gatewatch if the Gatewatch had a meeting at any point, then probably would have come up, you know? <laughs> Just their their weekly stand-up meeting where they all kind of, you know, talk about what they've been working on. Uh, Kaya mentions, you know, Phyrexians, and Teferi goes, yeah, we should put that in the agenda to talk about at length. Maybe we can set up a meeting later. <laughs> well, it's like, that. does does Kaya know what Phyrexians are called? Slash that Vorinclex as a Phyrexian? Is that information you can reasonably gauge from somebody if they're like hey there was this like mechanical monstrosity and it's like oh there's there's always artifact monsters but like how do you know it's a phyrexian and i guess that's an identification argument that would would uh fill the pages of fanfic (laughs) (laughs) 
if it was ever needed, but I'm sure it'll just be mentioned as debriefing at some point or another. Yeah. Uh, I think it makes sense that if you were just, if you were to describe <coughs> Boring Clex uh, and what she experienced, Teferu might pick up what that was. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then like, that's the end of the story. There's, you know, some really nice language about Arlen and her pack and, you know, the planeswalkers being part of her pack. And it's, it's really sweet, but that's, um, that's the end of a uh, Crimson Val story and the end of Innistrad until like five years down the line when we come back, you know, uh, like you said, we're probably not going to get a lot of Innistrad stories until we come back unless they like decide randomly in an off year to publish like a novella or something. Um, yeah. Maybe a free one on the website that they'll post around the holidays. Uh, the issue with like publishing <laughs> a novella is you would need to have like pretty much a clean slate. You would need to like create your own town that doesn't really exist in the lore and maybe like a planeswalker who's the lord of the town, you know, just to make sure that <laughs> you're not interfering with any existing, existing storylines going on there. So, I mean, if they really want to avoid any sort of like confusion or like overlap, what they should do is they, they should just publish it in German only in print. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they should. This all the website. You cowards! Um, maybe it'll maybe get old day. because this is our last episode for the year. So, like, if it doesn't get released in 2021 again, that's it. Um, I mean, but, it is at like yeah. two full years of being inaccessible. So, I'm perfectly yeah. fine ragging on it. I just think it's funny to uh, make that punchline. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of punchlines, this is the punchline for all of Innistrad's story. Um, that's not a good transition at all. But what I'm trying to say is that we are done on Innistrad. Um, what are your thoughts? What do you think about the the stories of Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow? They kind of blended into each other. Uh, any overall thoughts on like the plot, the characters, the the pacing? The strongest part of this is that it was a two-set block. Like, there's no way of avoiding that. That was why the story was so goddamn good. The story was also good because of everybody who wrote it. But when you get a continuous story between two sets and get to retain some story momentum in between two sets, even if one of them is a bonus secret winter set, it is just so much better for a reading experience and for fans to be able to carry on between the stories because like when we re-entered the planes hopping era after war of the spark there was the issue of nothing really connected between sets we had some shared characters across sets we had aldrain and we had strixhaven later and we have call time and we have this now. It's just very difficult to like get people continually invested. And the Gatewatch was a great vehicle to do that for the longest time, even if it was done to death, even if there were other major problems with the Gatewatch's implementation. But yes, like overall, this is this exceeds a lot of the pre-war of the spark story that we had like the new era story from magic origins to mm -hmm. um ixalan and dominaria 
it exceeds that. It is an outstanding story. I'm happy that they did everything they did with the main story and that they told every side story that they did because all of them were memorable quality stories, which is like, I know that's such a inane thing to say, but it is marks better than the previous two visits to Innistrad, which were nothing for the first visit and a lot of things for the second visit to try to make up for the nothing that was in the first visit and also Jim and Emrakul, which people were not really um, yeah. too, too excited about. I mean, people were excited about it, but you get that controversial opinion for um, whether it was a good fit, whether it belonged on Innistrad. I think it was fine, but at the same time, it wasn't people getting to experience Innistrad clean, and this felt like mm-hmm. people getting to experience Innistrad clean with a quality story throughout that wasn't exactly tainted by negative feelings towards the ongoing story. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think the story of the first Innistrad block that we didn't get would have been a really excellent set of web fiction, you know, and we would have all been really happy for it. And if we'd gotten that story, the story of shadows of Innistrad would have been better received. Yeah, it um, just would have had yeah. more more like space to work mm-hmm. with because you wouldn't have to be like retroactively introducing characters that maybe got introduced but only in like flavor text article or flavor articles or um, really inaccessible, not really findable web fiction. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I I think yeah I agree with that. I think that um. I do think, and, and this is like, I'm going to say my bold statement, uh, this collection of Midnight Hunt to Crimson Vow stories and their accompanying side stories is probably some of the strongest fiction for magic that they've put out. I would say probably ever, but in a long time for sure. Um, not saying anything bad about the other stories and fiction that we've had in the past few years. I think a lot of it has been excellent, but like this is definitely some of the the top tier of the fiction that we've gotten in terms of having incredible writing, incredible pacing, incredible characterization. Um, the stories are compelling. They feel the stakes feel high, even though we know kind of that things are going to return to a status quo at the end. Um, it all feels like some really good fiction. And a lot of that does owe to the fact that they got, two sets worth of stories to do for it. They got, you know, 10 full short stories for the main story. And then they had nine side stories, um, which is an incredible amount of fiction. And it's actually probably close to like the amount of stories we got for the pre Ravnica web fiction time period where we were getting a ton of stories for every set. Cause they just kept releasing them every week, regardless of, you know, like, there was no like main side dichotomy. They yeah. just release stories for 12 weeks at a time. Um, so like we, we got a ton of story um, and it all felt really cohesive. It all felt really good. Uh, the line between midnight hunt and crimson Val, while blurry was there. And I thought that was a really impressive fact that like when you finish the midnight hunt story, you finished a story, even though it rolled very cleanly into crimson vow um it's it's 
yeah, I think it's it's really incredible um, work that they've done on these stories. I think Kay Arsenault Rivera, fantastic job. Um, but also just, I'm so glad that they gave this the time it deserved. Because like you were saying, this is really our first trip to Innistrad <laughs> in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, the the Shadows of Innistrad stories, some of like the, I would say what were, you know, what would now be side stories were really good like trips into Innistrad where we got like the horror stories and we got to sort of experience what that was like. Um, but like the main story was so dominated by Nahiri and Immerkul and all of that, that we didn't really get a main Innistrad story. We got a continuation of Zendikar um, set on Innistrad. And now it's like, no, this isn't Innistrad story. This is clean, pure Innistrad. Um, and I think it's incredible. I think it was great work. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a literary critic. I just think Kay did an incredible job. Like <laughs> she she carries most of the weight for this set because she made an outstanding story. Like she mentions it in a uh, Casual Magic podcast. She was given the broad story beats, but like had a lot of freedom to um, create and develop characters of her own. And I think she gave like the perfect balance that you could possibly get with like teasing characters in some places, uh, being able to like make Soren into more relatable character, more likable character in general, uh, giving us the Soren point of view on his plate for the first time. Like, this is the first time in the decade since Soren, like 12 years since Soren was introduced in the original Zendikar set, that we've actually gotten Soren's point of view on things and, like, his view on his existence on Innistrad. And it was just mm-hmm. an overall success. I'm so absurdly happy that she wrote this block, and I hope that she gets invited back to write more. Maybe not on Innistrad. We don't need yet yet another Innistrad <laughs> set. But uh, yeah, I I look forward to like hopefully seeing more of her work in magic fiction. Yeah, and I mean that's true for all of our our side story writers too. I mean, I didn't feel like any of the side stories were really like a. I don't want to say like I didn't. I don't feel like any of them felt like they were skippable. Yes. Every side story uh, for both Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow brought its own really unique story of Innistrad and made it very, um, it made it one of those like memorable things. Like you were saying, they're all memorable. I don't forget any of the side stories. Uh, every single one of them has its own sort of feel and its own genre and its own experience to it that makes them all stand out in their own way. Uh, so I really hope that we get more a lot of the side story writers were returning writers from previous magic stories. And I hope that keeps up. Uh, I don't know what the heck they're doing with Kamigawa. I am still confused and a little concerned. Um, I was freaking out in our discord when they announced all of the stories are coming out in like three days. Cause I was like, what, um, what are we going to do? Uh, we'll figure it out. Um, but it'll, uh, it'll all work out in the end. I'm sure. I'm sure Kamigawa will have excellent stories. Um, the team looks really impressive that worked on it. Uh, 
I don't know what's going on because they keep hiding some important story details. So for all we know, we have reached the point now where the story is about to take off. Um, Some people were complaining before about how the story was like kind of going slow and like, where's the, where's the meat of this plot? And I'm like, we just got to give it time. And I think we're getting there. You could say we're making some steady progress. What does that mean? It's a, it's a card from uh, scars of mirrored and block where, uh, they they discover the the glistening where he oil. Sticks his finger in the oil and says, <laughs> yeah. "Yum." Uh, probably it's probably fine. It's probably fine. the The approach to the side stories, I will give a good amount of the credit to the side story authors, but whoever is working behind the scenes to figure out how exactly these side stories should be told and like what should be focused on. If that's entirely the freedom of the author, authors, then credit to them. But like, if it's planned in any ounce of a way, that person for Innistrad deserves a lot, a lot of credit. And we don't really know who those people are behind the scenes. But just generally speaking, we know that there are people there who do a lot of planning and scheduling for this and extend our gratitude to you nameless person because <laughs> like Innistrad just hit it out of the park with that regard. So. Yeah. Um, I, I hope they take the lessons from Innistrad and carry them through. Uh, the stories have just been getting better as time has gone on. So I, I fully expect that that'll be the case as we go, we go forward. Um, we are running a little out of time because someone on this podcast has to go to a showing of Spider-Man. Um, you know, it's not always about the money, Spider-Man. I, I just I just think you want pictures of Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> I do want pictures of Spider-Man. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm excited to see it. Um, but let's... Uh, final thoughts, I guess. Um, do you have any final thoughts that aren't related to the Innistrad story? My uh, final thought for right now is that... Um, did you know that uh, critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV is not available for a free trial? Uh, you cannot play it up until level 60, including uh, the Heavensward expansion. You cannot sign up for your free trial today uh, because Final Fantasy XIV has just been taken off as an option for people. Um, they are so overwhelmed with their servers right now from people playing their game and they cannot get the parts to make it make more servers that they have literally shut off the ability to buy the game. They have turned off all advertising for the game. They have released a statement. They're issuing people free playtime for those of us who are like already subscribed to the game. But if you are listening to this podcast right now and you think, Oh, I, I should go play final fantasy 14. I've never tried it before. You can't, there you yeah. <laughs> you can't do <laughs> no. it. Um, they've said, no, it's full. You're not allowed in. Um, I think that is, incredible that we live in a day and age where that is a thing that has to happen yeah and it may or may not be related to manufacturing parts becoming unavailable because of the death of our world but (laughs) (laughs) the world is dying it's 70 degrees in december i'm gonna have to wear shorts on christmas this is fine yeah my final thoughts are Hmm. I still really haven't thought of anything witty or smart. So 
have a happy holidays. Have a happy new year. We're not back for quite a bit after this, uh, another <laughs> two weeks. And then we'll pop in in January to see what the what the hell is going on with Comic <laughs> and along with Boom Comics. Um, but yeah, yeah. just, just oh, enjoy God. your holidays. Uh, so you know we've um we've been talking about this in our Discord server, uh, which you can join for one dollar a month on our patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast, uh, where Vorthoses from around the world are discussing uh, Boom Comics and what the heck is going on with Kamigawa. Um, but no, we've been talking a little bit about the fact that we are taking uh, two weeks off. As of today, that is the the decision we are sticking with. Uh, we don't want to be recording and editing a podcast during the major holidays of Christmas and New Year's. So, yeah, you, this is it for the rest of 2021. Uh, we'll see you in 2022. Wait a second, though. I do have an actual final thought, which okay. is, please, for the love of God, make a secret layer that is tied to the Boom Comics. Like... I'm begging you. This is free promotion for your <laughs> comics while also making money on selling cards that cost you very, very little to produce. If we can get 30 to 40 secret layers a year that are entirely unmemorable, like the themes that nobody actually remembers, but some people bought because they had good cards in them you can make one about boom comics and you can make a flavor named dark depths and you can, that's a spoiler, but you can make (laughs) flavor named and flavored up versions of existing cards and use the comic art, which I'm sure you can license easy, even easier than you did arcane screenshots. So I just want those to exist for a secret layer audience to remember that magic comics exist and that there are cool story moments happening in them. Even if it's slightly spoilery for you to make a set that reveals some of those story moments. Good. Sell comics. (laughs) Now, now Carrie, you said that there are, there are unmemorable secret layers. Are you telling me you don't remember the Valentine's day one, the Fiona staples one, the calligraphy Uh, one, the full text. There was a calligraphy one. Legitimately, was there a calligraphy one? <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know, actually. No offense to the people who work on these, but they are churned out like 30 to See, 40 per year. And it's very, very hard to me, for me to remember them. So if there's one with a huge explosive story moment, even if it's not the main story spotlights from the standard sets, but is associated with a tangential product that you are promoting as part of your IP expression people will remember that it exists and remember the story moment from that specific secret layer. So now, yeah. now I did, I did make up the calligraphy one, but uh, the fact Good. that there are so many of them means that I, it could have been real. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no boom comics. We should be back in January talking about the end of this story arc. Cause it is uh, wrapping up. I know it's been a while since we did an episode on possibly them. with a guest possibly with a guest we're hoping we're hoping to make that happen again um but uh kamigawa might throw off all of our scheduling (laughs) (laughs) give us a surprise winter set and then put all of the story in one week that's a great idea we're struggling uh but uh other than that yeah join our discord via our patreon if you want to toss us some bucks for the holidays um you can join our live listen where we were all talking about spider-man uh before and we're probably going to talk about it after so uh 
it's a good time and you should join us there. That's patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Otherwise, uh, happy holidays, happy new year. Um, This has been the Vorthos cast.